Hello and welcome to an ever so slightly delayed French Football Weekly podcast. Uh, my name is Chris, I'm your host as usual, and let's just address the elephant in the room, I have a cold. So apologies for the slightly nas- more nasal tones than usual. Flu jab yesterday always brings out the cold the next day. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with that old uh, chestnut, eh, Jez? Colds? Yeah. Or jabs? Or... <laughs> or both, I yeah. can't even remember how many jabs I've had. No, I know. I, That's because I uh, whoever it is, Elon Musk or Bill Gates, is making me lose my memory with the jabs. Yeah, they're, they're subtracting all of your information out yeah. bit by bit, day by day. Yeah, if it's not COVID jabs, it's flu jabs. If it's not them, it's something else. So happy days. Anyway, as you will probably have noticed, dear listener, it's just me and Jess this week. Um, Phil has some personal uh, bits and bobs to attend to this week. So we wish her well. She'll be back with us soon. Uh, but Jess and I are going to hold the fort for as a slightly delayed show this week so thanks for sticking with us um few few topics to dive into this week jez and we'll we'll sort of cherry pick our, our way through the results as we do the um the first kind of topic i wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, one of your favorite clubs i know um but that is is ren they kind of spoiled laurent blanc's return to top flight management with a 3-2 win over uh over leon of course on the weekend uh, martin terrier I don't know if you got to see all these goals, but there's a couple of delicious goals. And the first one, the cross for, I think it was Borrego who put the cross in. It's a delicious header. Like one of those just comes in at an angle and then a flick header into the far corner. Oh, it was beautiful. As was indeed Terrier's second. And they were sandwiched with a, an Armin Guiri goal. And that all that after Leon had been in front, in front through Lacazette and he doubled his tally, but it wasn't enough. I thought Leon's first goal was good as well, actually. It was, yeah. Actually, yeah, it's nicely created, wasn't it? Down the left, and and uh, Dembele was back in the side, and your favourite and mine, who somehow are back in the side as well. Leon did look a little bit more creative, but uh, unfortunately, at the back, it wasn't quite so good. What I wanted to ask you, really, was, was just about Wren, and obviously, they had a great season last year, they had a bit of a sort of a rough patch to start the season, but they've really turned that round to the extent that they're now consistently winning or, or going unbeaten. It's four wins out of the last five now, and they're up to fifth. I, get, I suppose the obvious question I, w- I would ask you is, is it just a case that, that as we've mentioned before, that they've kept this squad together, or is it a sign that uh, Genesio is continuing to to mould this team? Because they they look like to me like they're getting stronger with each performance, and they've got the European distraction as well, and they're just flag you know just shrugging that off and continuing to to march up the table are they kind of a serious threat for those champions league places again this year yeah i, th- I think they they definitely are. i think we said before it was it was a strange start to the season there was no obvious reason why things hadn't didn't start brilliantly i don't know if it's the usual sort of adjustment to europe in some way or i think more likely that the playing staff was still kind of up in the air. So, you know, Terrier, Bourgeois still a little bit unsettled. Um, you know, you look at the, the the two starting forwards the other day, Greary and Callum Wendell, obviously neither of them were there until quite late on in the window. So it might have still been kind of, you know, which of us is still going to be here in a month, which of us are going to leave, which of us want to leave. But once the transfer window's closed and, and the players are there, who are there are sort of, you know, ready to to knuckle down for for the year, or at least until January, I guess. Then all minds should be sort of focused on 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 the football and and on 
I guess, improving on what they did last year. And and I really feel like on paper, they, there's no reason. I think they can be challenging for second. I think mm. I said before that in terms of sort of size of club, Monaco, Marseille, Lyon should be looking to second. But just in terms of current squad, maybe even squad depth, certainly in terms of sort of excitement and, and goal-scoring power, Ren are right up there. And although they've had those couple of changes that I just mentioned, there's it's also a relatively settled squad. It's a strong bench. And yeah, there's no reason at all why they shouldn't be challenging, at least for, for Champions League. But, um, you know, for what it's worth, the sort of runner-up to PSG as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Roseland Park is one of those grounds, isn't it, that when things are going well, they do they do create a, a really good atmosphere. And it, it's one of those grounds I think a lot of away teams are not particularly keen on going to when you, you're playing an inform round. The other question I'd ask you... I, I have I mentioned... a feeling their home record's not as good as their away record, but that might, that might be wrong. I don't think, no, I don't think you're wrong, to be fair. I think they have been pretty decent on the travels. Again, with that sort of attacking trying but that that kind of carrot attacking style that lends itself to away performances as well i think um, so yeah just looking at their away record yeah it isn't it isn't bad at all the the, the one question i ask you just in regards to that front three i mean you mentioned callum wendo one goal in in his six appearances so far um we, we i'm totally wrong by the way but go on you are okay <laughs> fair enough i did wonder because i i have seen them sort of play away from home and think, well, they're, they're not bad on the road, but I didn't realise it was it was that good. I thought you caught me out there. Um, but yeah, Guiri, four goals in, in six appearances this season. Callum Wender just the one in, in his six games. Borrego very much pulling the strings in terms of the assists. But Martin Terrier, seven goals in 11 games from a what is ostensibly a wide role in the team, chips in with a few assists as well. Is he potentially a dark horse for for France in, in I was going to say in the summer it's not in the summer in the winter world cup because he's on form he is he's playing very very well there aren't many that are better than him in that position at the moment I would argue I think he is I mean he, he was in the pre-list for the last international get together and obviously the 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 problem for him is that because it's such a stupid world cup at a stupid time of year there's fewer kind of friendlies leading up to it and so it might sort of work against him that he's never had the chance just to be in and around the squad and we know that that Deschamps likes to just take a look at what players are like you know even if they're not playing just seeing how how they adapt to just being at Clairefontaine and, and getting on with everyone else so I think it's a real shame from his point of view that it's sort of this quirky World Cup um, but I still think he's a, a reasonable outside bet I mean looking at sort of Forward players, obviously, there's all the talk about Giroud, who hopefully lost the form the last couple of matches is just a blip. Um, other players like Turam are coming back into form, for example, and Kunku still being consistent, but hasn't done much yet for France. So I think that there is the potential of a of a surprise call-up for him, but I'm just not sure that Deschamps is necessarily the type of coach that would do that off the back of kind of nothing if you know what I mean you know even if you've been in the last squad but not played um maybe I'd feel a lot more confident about the possibility of him being there but um I definitely you know if he carries on this form I definitely don't think it's out of the question yeah the other problem of course he's got is is there's so many sort of wide forwards isn't there in, in that French squad it might be hard for him to sneak in the back door but 
with the amount of injuries and whatnot. Yeah, I think it's happen. just a question of I don't know the the wide the wide forwards has often been a problem. Mm. Um, you know what what do they do best? How much do they come back and and help the defense? And um, I don't know. Take Diaby at Leverkusen, who obviously they're not having a great start to the season. So, you know, could he be at risk of losing his place in the squad that he might have made his if he'd sort of carried on where he left off last year? So, yeah. And then you've got Coman's injury record as well, which is is always a little bit concerning. So, yeah, p- potentially, potentially could sneak in. And as I say, Ren are, are on a charge right now, plus 12 goal difference, and they're up to fifth. Um, and what is now just five points off second and eight points off the top. So they are on a roll as we speak. Um, speaking of on a roll, I guess oh, that would be a bit uh, a bit um, overblowing it to say that PSG are on a roll, but they snapped that sort of run of successive draws with Benfica in the Champions League and that, that draw with Rams last week to, to win. Just Sorry, just one very quick thing about... Mm. I don't know if it's much consolation that all of the goals in that match were scored by ex-Leon players. They were. <laughs> I did notice that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the the, the curse of the ex in terms of uh, Ren scorers against Leon. Absolutely. Um, PSG won won the classic on Sunday night. Um, a lot of people have sort of said this this was a really good game. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was a decent watch. I, I didn't think it was a a classic classic, if you will. In just in terms of the, it, not just about. The lack of goals, I suppose, but the, the finishing was was pretty poor from both sides, and I just I just felt that you know the the, the game itself and it was keenly contested and only really a, a mistake from Amin Arik, which let in the opportunity for Neymar to convert Mbappe's pass to win the game. It was probably the one moment of finishing quality. Marseille pretty much shooting from distance the entire game, which I just didn't understand because they were some pretty poor shots. But does this kind of does this classic? say to you that the gap is narrowing or is it just more a case of Marseille were quite well organised and you know ultimately you know once again have gone to, to PDP and lost because PSG are just so far in front of them Yeah I think just because of the, the nature of the match we always sort of if they're on like five red cards or a shower of goals or some kind of controversy sort of we kind of put it down make it File it away under the sort of disappointing classics, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, I think Marseille should take some credit for the fact that they they sort of went toe-to-toe with PSG. I think, you know, the fact that Lopez is probably man of the match showed that PSG were the better team and had the better chances. But as you said, like the, they still conceded, I think it was 18 shots yeah. from Marseille, which even if a lot of them were sort of speculative, that that's probably a little bit too many and, and shows that Marseille certainly had their say in the match. But yeah, I just feel like overall in these kind of matches, it felt like PSG probably could have gone up a gear if they'd needed to or wanted to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, arguably both teams have got half an eye on Champions League and, and very sort of congested fixture schedules. And Although I think I previously said that I feel like Marseille's squad is more homogenous in that their second eleven is almost as strong as their first eleven. PSG have obviously got a stronger squad in that there's sort of, I guess, better players who can come in and still do the kind of job that they need to do. So it was a little bit disappointing because there were no fireworks, because it was only the one goal. Um, but I think 
for what it's worth if they're you know considering they're still walking away with no points i think marseille can be relatively satisfied that they did make a match of it it wasn't too easy for psg they weren't embarrassed and and you know it's sort of another tick in a way for for tudor i guess and yeah. more importantly you know two two straight wins in champions league double over sporting that's that's big and you know the fact that they've now got a serious chance of qualifying for the next round which is completely unheard of for them in yeah, recent league yeah. experiences i think that's probably going to be where the focus is for now yeah yeah agreed i was, I was impressed with fabian Maurice in this game as well he sort of it's kind of his first opportunity to really impress thought he was good for for psg and offered them something a little bit different and um, we did see a red card for gigo as well divided opinion this one at the time i I did think it was a red, just purely because although it's not particularly reckless, it was it was really badly timed and and kind of weirdly in not keeping with the game because the game was played in a fairly good spirit, like you said, there wasn't cards flying around, there wasn't too much bite, but just a very poorly timed challenge. Is it one of those where at full speed because it just looks bad? That's why why the referee has reached for the red because I think that's the, is it the forty fifth red card in the league this season? I think I think I read somewhere which is nuts. Is it just that kind of impulse? I think half of them have not... gone to Rass. But... Yeah, they have, yeah, in the last week. Um, yeah. I think, I guess it was one of those ones that's probably an orange. I don't think you can complain too much it was a red, but mm. at the same time, if a yellow had been given, I don't think too much fuss would have been made other than by Neymar. And I was going to say, <laughs> is it on the, on the player that was taken out maybe is the reason why it was... Sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, why it was why it's upgraded. Um, just very... <laughs> Very briefly on the Mbappe situation, we don't want to go too far deep into the termites of, of his uh, situation right now. But he has come out and denied the uh, call to leave, which I think both you and I have said before the pod. I don't think we really buy too much into it. But from his point of view, sensible PR, just to sort of say I had a little sleep and I don't really know where the rumours have come from. I'm very happy here. Smile, smile, smile and wave. It, it makes sense for him to say that right now, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I actually thought about contacting you and Phil last week and think saying, should we do a, an Imagine extra saying. special podcast just to discuss the whole Mbappe thing? And I sent a tweet at the time saying, for someone who's so intelligent and so good at comms, he's so stupid and bad at comms. Mm. And I, you know, I understand his frustration that PSG didn't keep promises and in inverted commas that that were made to him but you can't say yeah yeah we're going to sign Lewandowski and and you know other people have a say in that yeah. so it's not it's not going to be a formality but I do get his frustrations um I think people have overdone some of the criticism of, of him like for example the whole penalty gate thing as far as I'm concerned the only person that acted badly there was was Neymar and actually I thought Mbappe acted with quite a lot of restraint so um I I can understand why he's a little bit miffed about certain things, but I don't think he's gone the right way about expressing it. And also I think tough luck, shut up. You you chose to stay. You know that PSG are insane. And in the meantime, you're the best paid footballer or whatever in the world. It could be worse. You yeah. decided to to still be here. You know you're probably going to leave in the summer anyway. Just keep your mouth shut. And, you know, yes, I think it was the right thing for him to do to to sort of 
you know calm everything down but um it shouldn't have happened in the first place and and i think what he said is all everyone knows it's ridiculous everyone knows that what came out last week is probably the truth it probably even came from his people and you know to wait however long he waited before coming up with something about being asleep and then this all, ha- all happening while he was having a nap is just illustrates silly yeah and, and but the main thing for psg it. is you know he set up neymar they gave each other a little hug it was all right <laughs> yeah. as long picture. as you know just as fans are really capricious as long as the two of them are still scoring and assisting then they'll they'll be happy enough and i think as we said last week take stock after the world cup because certainly if the three of them they're not all going to be in good moods yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, it's frustrating for for me as a fan of the player because I think, like you, I, I love him as a footballer, and naturally being slightly biased towards all things French and French football, you, you kind of, you know, you want him to hit the the Messi Ronaldo levels. You want him to be that greatest player of his generation. I just sort of worry about the advice he gets and the way he conducts himself off the pitch. And like you said, he's clearly a very intelligent guy. Um, and it, you know he was so humble when he first came through, and I just feel like some of this stuff around him is getting a bit over the top now, and I just worry about where that's going to take his career. But time will tell. I just, I feel like you know there there are reports coming out that he's you know he was relatively popular, I think, in the changing room, and maybe one of those sort of links between the kind of South American contingent and the French contingent and the older contingent and the younger contingent. I just think he's in danger. I mean, part of it is probably just natural jealousy of the size of the deal that he's on. And I think that's part of the issue with Neymar, for example. But yeah. I just think he's very much in danger of 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 sort of making himself a bit of a pariah. And, uh, you know, if, any, if anyone has the potential to kind of overcome all of it and of of being that that kind of superstar I think it could be him and it's just disappointing to show considering for his whole career he's always seemed so grounded and sensible that basically it does all seem to be going very much to his head and it's not cool and in terms of PSG I don't really give a shit but if it affects France which I think it did a little bit like in uh, last summer then I'm not so happy yeah yeah, agreed, agreed. I think we all I say a little see. bit, I mean a lot. A lot, know. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As you said, it did make for a lovely picture between the two. Um seems to be all things seem to be okay at that particular point in time. There was um I I, I believe it was confirmed. I couldn't actually see oh I couldn't find the official confirmation. I'm right in saying that Campos has, has left off the back of this decision. There was certainly a lot floating around that, that he was going to leave. Then there was suggestion that he'd been talked out and because uh, the main reason that this caught my eye was that there's some some sort of rumours going around that, that PSG are having a look at Edu from Arsenal as their new technical director, which obviously perked my interests. Uh, have you got confirmation that Campos went? No, I don't. I don't know anything. I don't know no. about that. But then Campos claims he doesn't know anything about well, it that's all as well. So I think that's fine. Yeah, it it does. I, I, from what I can gather, I think he is still there. I think even Gautier said, if, if Campos goes, I will, I will go. And obviously he hasn't. So I can only assume it was all in the melting pot of, of sort of rumour and tittle-tattle. But we shall see where that uh, situation shakes out. Just, I think, again, there's just, like you said, so much going on there. And um, yeah, you know, the fact is that Campos 
is obviously close to Gautier. He's clearly close to Mbappe. And I think it's, you know, probably fair to say that it's Mbappe that insisted that Campos come in and replace Leonardo. So, yeah, that, yeah they are sort of, I wouldn't say interdependent, but um, again, it's it's also no secret that Mbappe and Campos and Gautier wanted to strengthen at centre-back, which I still think is the biggest issue there. They wanted to strengthen and have a proper centre-forward so that Mbappe didn't have to play that pivot role and they didn't manage to do that. So you can understand why there's frustration. And and certainly I think it's um, Enrique that's, that's sort of probably rightly taking the blame for that. But then as ever, and as I feel like we've been saying for years, if you ask me, it's Al Khalifi. He's just got no control of the situation. Clearly doesn't like Campos, but has had him sort of foisted on him. Um, seems to like Enrique and keep bringing him back, even though it's not entirely understandable why. Yeah. You know, I would still, <laughs> I would still start by getting rid of Al Khalifi and then maybe you could sort out everything underneath. But yeah, yeah. There you go. And some, some of those deals are questionable. I mean, I look at the Renato Sanchez deal, uh, you know, week after week, and I just think, why? Like, he's not even making the bench. I know he's had fitness problems, but it just seems like a, a bit of an old deal, that one. But I guess we shall see in time. Um, latest on campus, uh, back to the 14th of October, is linking in with, with the Newcastle sporting, uh, sporting director role. So, obviously... Stuff at PSG seems to have died down in that he's he's still there at that time of recording. So we shall see where that goes. Speaking of people that are still there, though, that leads us to a couple of people that are not still there. We had quite the the week for sackings. Um, I guess my question to you on this one is: Are our league chairman sort of pressing the panic button pre World Cup? Are they going too soon? We saw Michel de Zakarian leave Brest. No great surprise there. Uh, Jean-Marc Furlan, after <laughs> middle finger gate, was dismissed by Osseo, which is a bit of a shame, really. By his own admission, he's always he's always got clubs up, but never been able to keep them up, which is, this is another one to add to that list. We knew about Peter Bosch leaving Lyon, of course, replaced by Laurent Blanc. Um, Rudy Garcia was was uh, given his marching orders by Rams. And... Say again, sorry? Oscar Garcia. Oscar Garcia, sorry. Who did I say? Rudy. Rudy Garcia. No, Christ. There's a throwback. Oscar Garcia. Good Lord. Where did I pull that one from? Um, and then we saw uh, Montpellier um, dispense. Uh, you you were actually saying that the, the idea of the switch between the two coaches, Brass and Montpellier, going back to each other, Delalio going back again, would be quite amusing. But it, it, is, it is five sort of fairly, well, yeah, I say high profile dismissals. Is it just the case that that the the league and chairmen of these particular clubs have just just panicked. I mean, the Brest one of all of them, you can sort of understand. Maybe the Osea one, based upon, I feel like the the middle finger gate has been maybe sort of used as a bit of an excuse to get rid of a popular manager in a way because they've they've not been performing well form wise. But is it a surprise to you that that these five dismissals have come in the space of a week? I exchanged a couple of emails with a friend of the show Angus Therode about this and and I, my view is that I'm surprised some of them didn't come earlier and some of them haven't sort of waited until the World Cup mm. I find it w- very weird timing I either do it in the summer or the international break or wait but why now and certainly I don't know if it's just a quirk that they've all happened at exactly the same time but Lyon I suppose being Lyon they can't afford to sort of 
let the other bigger clubs kind of get away from them. Um, I feel a bit sorry for Blanc, that, as we said, the, the sort of fixture list, you know, starting with away to Ren, and frankly, based on the last couple of years, record against against Ren, 3-2 is a pretty decent result for them. And he certainly showed signs of of wanting to change things up with three at the back and bringing the likes of Awa back, Boateng as well, though I don't think that one was such a good idea. <laughs> um, I think... Um, yeah, that one probably needed to happen. But again, why didn't it happen in the summer? Because it felt like the writing was pretty much on the wall. Jose, I think, I don't know. I mean, you said before, Fulgan, I think, holds the record for the most promotions in Ligue 2. And he's previously been quoted as saying he'd rather be fighting for promotion from Ligue 2 than fighting to avoid relegation from Ligue 1. So I was very surprised that he even started the season with them. Um, and considering they didn't particularly invest that that much in any in new players, I'm yeah I'm uh, I'm surprised it sort of lasted this long. And I, I don't yeah I think the the middle finger was probably a final straw for everyone. But I think probably he's not too upset to be to be leaving. Yeah, yeah. Breast. I mean, they're not they're not cut off obviously at the bottom but only six points at this stage and it's really not great only one win i think yeah. um, something needs to change there and i i just with the breast and montpellier ones i think i always thought it was going to be an interesting swap because the zakarian i wouldn't say he's anti football but he's not particular he's not particularly huge about promoting beautiful passing football whereas that is Dalolio's thing and I think he worked well with Brest doing that and you know understanding the situation of having to bring through players only to lose them um so you know as well as sort of joking about swapping them around I, I don't think it would be a bad move for Brest for Montpellier I think there's a Carrion's popular there Dalolio, unfortunately, it didn't work out there. And I'm I'm not really sure why, because he's got some talented players there. I don't know if maybe Montpellier won those teams that they don't really know. You know, they're in 11th place. Is that a fair reflection of where they should be? I mean, yeah, the likes of Clermont Toulouse probably shouldn't be ahead of them. But they are, I feel they are a mid-table team. They're not probably good enough to qualify to challenge for European places and they're never going to be bad enough that they'll be worried about relegation but but what are they what what what's their purpose what do they want to do what do they want to be but that's not really down to the coach I think that's down to people higher up who need to sort of stick or twist so I feel a little bit sorry for Dalio there but I think probably it just seemed that I don't know if he lost the changing room or lost the faith of those above him. You know, looking at what happened this weekend when you've got players as intelligent as Teji Savanier sort of doing blind outside of the foot back passes into the centre of your own area, then, you know, someone somewhere, at least one person is losing their head and, and maybe... In that kind of situation, it's not surprising. It's the coach that, that takes the rap. Yeah, uh, I do wonder about, you mentioned Jean-Marc Fellon there, getting clubs promoted. Um, I, I glance down the league de table and I find in 19th place a little club called St Etienne and I and I wonder. <laughs> just, I mean, they're having an awful time in, in the second tier. Dijon as well down there, 15th. You, you look at clubs that 
fell on could end up. I would still take him at mess. I was just going to say, there's a club in eleventh. He might have a look as well. So, yeah, it, you do wonder if he might pitch up in in league again at some point. But um... on on Ras, by the way, they're another one that similar kind of thing, but a different. I mean, similar to Brest and kind of different type of problem to Montpellier. Also. What are they? I think they've got a really good business model of really bringing through talented young players and then selling them for a profit. And to be fair, this year, I think they did invest a bit of money. Although Garcia, I don't think, was particularly happy with the players they brought in. And again, I think it was, you know, the stuff coming out was Garcia's got other personal issues to deal with. And and I think the quote from, from Kaya was that, um, you know, he can't, he can't sort of fight two battles on the same front, that kind of thing. But it felt like a bit of an excuse um, to to be able to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, so depending on what those other things are, I do feel a little sorry for Garcia. I don't think he was doing a bad job. I think maybe the problem with Ras as much as anything was they want to improve the style of football they play and it's still pretty defensive based and you look at the the attack they've got in theory Zanelli, Balogun players like that should be Ito, Ito they should be yeah, maybe yeah. playing a little bit more expansive football yeah. maybe that's the issue if they're, maybe their deal is you know we know we're not going to do anything special but let's at least entertain the fans and if they're not doing that then time for change yeah agreed yeah and I think um, in the case of these five sackings as well coming before the World Cup, you, you do wonder again, as we have to sort of remind ourselves for do go down this season. I do wonder if it's it's that one season that you really don't want to go down, isn't it? So maybe these the, you know chairman and owners are are reacting quickly to try and avoid the circumstances where you're trying to blood a coach after a World Cup in January, trying to get it done now, so you can at least start to to bed people in. In terms of that situation, though, we know obviously Laurent Blanc has gone in at Lyon, which we knew. Uh, suggestion is that uh, Jocelyn Guvenac is is the favourite to come in at Brest. Um, whether we see, I'll say, are also interested in, in him as well. So we shall see what happens there. And we were talking pre-pod as well about Will Still, great name. Uh, he's likely to to keep the reins at Rams. See what I did there? <laughs> Didn't even mean to. Um, and they did get a nil-nil draw at the Moustoir. Uh, unfortunately, the nil-nil draw with Lorient at the weekend. Um, as you did mention, though, two more red cards, uh, Lopi and uh, Agbadu were sent off in that game. So they uh, they certainly did park the bus in that second half, but they came out with a point. So fair play to them. And as for Montpellier, no sort of confirmation of the switchover in terms of coach with them as of yet. Um, I guess it's a bit fresh, that one. So that will be uh, hopefully announced in due course. I guess we will see. And uh, Pellissier has also been mentioned with regards to the Osea job, the former Lorient coach. So we shall see whether any of those are in place before uh, our show next week. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more of an update for you then. Um, in terms of the couple of the results, we'll go through from the weekend. Uh, Lille got another good result, um, piling yet more problems onto another coach who's starting to look over his shoulder a bit, you would suspect, in Julian Stefan. It's another poor result for Strasbourg. Lille winning 3-0. Uh, Jonathan David with a couple of goals there. Remy Cabela also notching in that 3-0 win. I think David is was up for one of the Player of the Month awards alongside Messi and Watara, but I think Messi's got the nod on that one. Surprised um, Man City player didn't get it. 
<laughs> yeah, what are they coach of the coach of the decade or co what are they? Team club of the, of year? the year, apparently. Of the year. Not even team of the year, but club of the year. Good lord, yeah, it makes you sick, doesn't it? Um, certainly one of the clubs of the, of the season, um, and indeed the year uh, in Liga are Lons, and they continue to uh, impress in the in the Liga table this season. They are flying. Wesley Said with the winner, as you mentioned there, just the mistake from Teji Savanier presenting him with the winning goal against Montpellier, which obviously led to the sacking. After which, uh, London incidentally now that's them up to third. They closed the gap on Lorient to just two points, 24 points there. Three wins, the last five for them. Toulouse, a very entertaining game this Sunday lunchtime, beats uh, Auger by three goals to two. Dejaguerre with the opening goals in that one, yeah, weren't they just? Um, Bentelebs was a, was a peach for Auger to equalize. Uh, Van den Boom, and I think that's his first goal in Liga since the promotion with a penalty. Uh, Even the penalty. <laughs> yeah, he, he absolutely put his foot through it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, as indeed did Spearings uh, for the third goal for, for Toulouse. And then Salama with a late consolation for Angers, which proved to not be quite enough. Uh, nice's struggles continue. Andy Delors had them in front at Orsaire, but Nuno de Costa got the equaliser. Um, nice really having a, having a time of it. And yet another coach under pressure. We We've been saying it for weeks, but it's um it's not getting any better for Nice. They sit thirteenth in the table. Um, and you you do just kind of wonder if Nice are just kind of holding off getting rid of Lucien Favre until they've got the right potential replacement. But we shall see. Uh, no movement on that one at the moment. Uh, Nantes they needed a win after their poor form recently, and they got it against Brest. Fadiga have them in front, but Moses Simon from the spot, Ganago. Uh, Mustafa Mohamed and Musa Sissoko, of all people, getting the fourth uh, big win that for Nott, and that eases the pressure. I don't know if you saw the the celebration um, on the touchline. I think it was, I think it was the equaliser. It might have been the two one. I can't remember. It was one of the two early goals, and Kumbuare just sort of, you could see like he just put his hands to the sky and just gave it that. Thank Christ, <laughs> I've got a win. So. That was uh, that was good for him, and, and it, it doesn't exactly make Nantes form any better because they have lost three of the last five, but they are up to 14th now and a little bit of breathing space for them. And the other results from the weekend, we mentioned uh, Rennes 3-2 whenever Lyon. Uh, Trois and Ajaxio sharing the points 1-1. Perozzo with the goal for Trois. Idrisi with the goal for Ajaxio. Um, and I don't know if you saw the um, solo run from Belali to set up that goal, but all oh my word, it took on about four players to set up that goal. Um, Monaco survived a uh, early red card for Kamara through uh, Mbolo missing a penalty for putting away the equalizer or putting away the opener, equalized by Andrich for Clermont. And then of course we had the classique at the end of the weekend. So that was the results. Um, we are a bit pressed for time this week, so we are going to kind of cut things short fairly soon, but just a, uh, just a brief mention to Karim Benzema and his Ballon d'Or win, as expected. Um, reward for a very good year for for the French international, fair to say. Yeah, I mean, you can't really argue with his records. You know, pretty much a goal a game. I think it's depending on what stats you look at. It's like 42, 44, 46 goals. He's won most of the competitions he's entered, most importantly La Liga and Champions League, obviously done scored very important goals in both and was pretty talismanic. I mean, I know, obviously, Real still got a strong team around him, but it often felt like it was him. There was the difference between, you know, draws here and there or, or being 
in a bit of a fight for the title or losing out to to English teams in the Champions League or, or going that extra step. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's hard to argue. And, you know, I think anyone who listens to this knows what I think of him generally. But um, at 34 years old, to be performing at that level is brilliant. And you have to give him credit considering he the levels that he's maintained at, at Real for so long, and especially considering most of that time his, his job was probably to make sure he doesn't take any of the spotlight away from Ronaldo yeah. um, and that he's been able to sort of pretty much fill the, the gap that was left and, and ensure that Real pretty much don't even miss Ronaldo. It shows the levels he's reached. I still have issues with, I still don't think he should be near the France squad for what he did. And I still think that his inclusion, even though, his behaviour has been exemplary and his performances have been fine for France. I still think his inclusion marks up the balance of the France team, so I still have issues there, but certainly based on what he did last year for Real Madrid. I can understand why Sadio Mane fans can be a little bit annoyed, but and it does feel yet again that maybe this is just a strong European bit of lobbying that has helped yeah. Benzema out. But you can't really argue against it in any way. No, no, he's 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 been by far and away a standout performer. And if he was ever going to win, you know, with Ronaldo and Messi sort of on the decline, it was probably this year if he was ever going to scoop that award. So congratulations to him and uh, a lovely watch, which I believe is worth something like four hundred grand. So I could never. Um, anyway, just before we leave you, uh, fixtures for the weekend. Friday night, see Ajaxio host PSG. That'll be a nice, uh, cosy ground for PSG to go and play. Montpellier against Lyon is the 4pm game on Saturday, followed by Marseille-Lens. That might be a tasty watch on Saturday night. Then on Sunday, the midday game is Angers against Rennes. Uh, Tough-looking sort of task for Rennes, you'd normally think, but the way Angers are playing, who knows. Clermont hosts Brest in one of the 2pm games, alongside Rams hosting Auxerre. Toulouse are at home to Strasbourg and Trois face Lorient. Hopefully get back on track there. And the 4.05 game is Nice against Nantes, all of the ends. And we finish the weekend with the Sunday evening game between Lille and Monaco, which again is probably worth tuning in on uh, BT Sport for in the UK. Just remember to hit that mute button. Although we haven't had JP the last two weeks, so, uh, you know, things might be changing. But uh, that is all we've got time for this week. And so we are pushed for time. But um, thank you for being patient with us and waiting for this pod. We will probably be back in our usual time slot next week, uh, sort of personal circumstances allowing. So uh, we will look forward to speaking to you then. Uh, Jess, thank you very much for slipping in the uh, the time on this rainy old Wednesday. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you, you once again for your input. Mm-hmm. And whatever you do do, do, do <laughs> whatever you do this weekend, uh, please do enjoy your French football and we will speak to you very soon. <laughs>